Evolutionary.org presents Evolutionary Hardcore Podcast with your co-hosts, Steve from the American Underground and Mobster from the UK Iron Den. Get ready for the most hardcore and underground info in the industry. And here we go. 10, 9, 8, 7, 6... Morning, everyone. Evolutionary and Outward Hardcore podcast coming your way. We're, today, we're doing Greg Valentino. This is episode 139. We're doing a bad boy, one of the bad boys of the fitness industry. Um, Steve Smee here and the Moabsta. What's up, buddy? Oh, let's that, that's, that's smash the granny out of this. Let's see what we can do. Greg is a, a, he's a name. Let's, let's, let's call him that. He is a name. He, he's renowned. But is he famous or infamous? Let's see what we got. Yeah, so the interesting thing is, Greg, one of the most polarizing people in the fitness industry, and I think he doesn't have a problem with it. He even admits, hey, I'm an asshole, I'm a dickhead, I'm a prick, and he's got a lot of stories. Um, He's been to prison. He has a lot of prison stories. He has a lot of stories that make you scratch your head, like a lot of bathroom-type stories a lot of jokes uh potty jokes stuff like that just gutter just complete gutter talk and over the years he's been one of the most hated guys in the industry i think for mobster and i we have hated him for a lot of reasons in the past not so much because he was an asshole but because he's given a black mark on the industry and the stuff in the attention grabbing stuff he's done being in shows and wanting attention to kind of make him and the media of course is going to gravitate to that because it brings a lot of drama and on action. it makes yeah. him look like the face of the industry and that's not really that's not at all how it's like i think the face in the industry i think we'd be much more happy in making arnold schwarzenegger the face of the mm-hmm. industry not greg valentino so he does have a you know give no fucks attitude towards things, but if you actually dig into his social media and stuff, he is pretty much a snowflake. Like he gets offended over it. Like if someone posts something on his social media on his YouTube videos, he fights back and he writes like three paragraphs attacking them and threatening to come fight them and stuff. So he is actually a huge sensitive snowflake who's masquerading as this guy who doesn't give a shit, but really he does give a shit. (laughs) He's one of the people that do give a shit. And it just, it's funny to see him arguing with people on social media through a keyboard. I think people like to get a rise out of him. So, but yeah, I think over time though, some of the younger guys who don't know his history, don't know his past and how he's a complete douche and complete asshole have actually gravitated toward him and like him. And maybe they just, you know that so in this podcast we're going to talk a little bit about that and we're also going to get into his arms almost exploding and biggest arms in the world and his steroid mm. cycles of course he does talk a lot about steroids so we know a little bit about the background of him so really quick background he is from new york uh bronx is where he grew up and one of the things that he talks a lot about of his energy is, is small man syndrome he says that he's actually only five, four, five, five, and he's always been picked on and for his height. So, but the interesting thing is his, uh, he claims his peak weight at 265 pounds. So 
being that short and 265 pounds just doesn't compute with me. Um, I'm not sure if that's a little exaggerated or if he really was 265 pounds. That's just crazy to be that height and that, that huge. Um, he talks a lot about lifting weights in his teenage years and working out on a Schwarzenegger. I'm sure Arnold Schwarzenegger has no clue who this guy is, by the way, but he seems <laughs> to push Arnold a lot. You know, I worked out with Arnold, even though Arnold is like 20 years older than him. It doesn't even make any sense. He must have been like eight years old when he worked out with Arnold. Um, he, he talks about a ty- in a Tyra Banks interview how he grew up being good at sports, but because of his short height, mobster, and I, I kind of get this because I'm only five six five seven, you know, you're kind of at a disadvantage in those types of sports. So us shorter guys, we gravitate to weight training, and we can actually get very, very good at weight training and wrestling and some of these other sports that are more weight-based there's weight classes. So I'm competing against other guys who are, have my body structure. I'm not playing American football or basketball and having to go up against guys, your size mobster who can pretty much mm. run me over on the football field because yeah, I yeah. was run over quite a bit when I played football, I played linebacker. I was your height. I was your height when I left school. I think it was, I think uh, when, when, to, to, to put it crudely, when my bollocks dropped, when I physically matured around a 14, 15, I was five foot eight. And I think I added a couple of inches in the next year, and I'm six foot three now. So yeah, I, I I would be a jock now, even if I wasn't. I just literally came into my own as a jock in the last year of school. Oh so, wow! Uh, okay. yeah. 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 yeah, yeah. So that's interesting. But there is a psychological effect for sure. And he talks about it in the Tyre Banks interview about how he was never satisfied with how big he would get. There is definitely mm-hmm. a bigorexia issue with him. So because he wasn't able to get big in height. He wanted to get big in other ways. So we're definitely going to talk about that. Um, do you want to talk a little bit about his arrest? Sure. I mean, one of the things uh, we, we, we've just done in a recent podcast that we've got coming out soon when we talk about a $10 million uh, steroid ring that was being run out of uh, that particular gym in, in that uh, episode. So this one, says he, he was essentially selling steroids out of the gym. Uh, he had a gym. He was actually kind of a decent physique bodybuilder back in the day. There's photographs of him as, as a younger guy. Uh, but it's, and, and you know, one of the things, he's a massive testosterone fan. All kinds of testosterone is his big deal. And I suspect Greg's probably like a natural salesman. If he's going around going, this testosterone's amazing, I feel amazing. So the guys will ask him. The problem is, of course, lo and behold, typical story, you get greedy, you start selling to your buddies. Your buddies start recommending the, you know, Greg at the gym. He can get your testosterone, and it kind of got crazy. And it's one of those things. I think he says something to the effect of, "The police were almost certainly watching us pretty much from day one." And as soon as he got stupid, I think I, I think Greg even tells one of the versions of the story was he was selling testosterone to police officers at the gym. But of course, it gets to the point where that kind of stuff gets out of control. Someone gets into trouble. Police officer gets. In, an internal investigation, whatever, and the next thing you know, you've got a raid. Literally, there is a photograph that's, that you can find. It's in about two seconds on Google with his massive arms wearing a check shirt, and how the hell they cuffed him, God only knows, because of the way he was built at that particular point. Was that just about as freaky as he'd ever got? And, and he's being led out of the gym by two police officers. And I think we're talking about tens of thousands of dollars, Steve, and he talks about tens of thousands of dollars. 
Greg, Greg is that kind of personality. He wasn't saving his money. He wasn't investing his money. He was just, the money came in. I went out and enjoyed it. I was doing all the crazy things that I was doing. And I think, again, I don't, I've, I've got a couple of his books here. He's actually a half-decent writer when he puts his mind to it, and someone else is editing his stories. Okay. I'm pretty sure and, and, he was on the one that wrote it. But yeah, go ahead. Well, no, no, no. <laughs> someone else did a lot of the work, for yeah, sure. Yeah. In fact, one of the book, book books is co-authored. He 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 was clubbing. He was he was. I think you mentioned it in in the article. We're talking about prostitutes. We're talking about other kinds of drugs here. We're talking about uh, Club Sixty Four in, in in New York. The the money came in. The money went out, and they were not being careful. They were they were kind of. I think there, isn't there a euphemism for Guido, which is kind of like a gangsterish kind of behavior in a young Italian but background because this is Italian American background. And so, yeah, he was doing all kind of crazy shit. And the number one thing he wasn't doing was being careful. So that that's pretty much how it went. If you're selling to policemen in the gym, if you're going to these nightclubs, if you're waving the dollars around, if you're fighting other would-be gangsters and steroid dealers, this is what's going to happen. He was living the life, but he was not being careful. He was very, very lucky not to go away for a long time, Steve. Seriously. And, and and in fact, the the podcast we just done on on Rich, which mentions Richard Rodriguez, Richard did ten years. I don't think uh, Greg did anything like ten years. He was very lucky. It was just a couple of years. So I don't think he was a proper big time steroid dealer. But he was a steroid dealer. He was stupid. He got caught. And and it, Greg is quite open. He will tell you he was doing stupid stuff. He wasn't. You know, if we're going to do these things, if you and I decide to become steroid dealers. We won't do what Greg was doing. We'll be a little bit more careful. We won't be, uh, you know, just the list of things you shouldn't do was not what Greg was doing. Anyway, back to you on that one, Steve. Yeah, so let's talk about the synthol. This is a big one. When everyone yeah, thinks, huge like, one. like like Mobster mentioned, there's a picture of him. It's actually in the article that we're going to link of him being, yeah. you know, his handcuffs are in front of him. I'm not sure they could have done it in the back of him. I don't know, Mobster. No, I don't I've never no. been handcuffed, but his like biceps are so freaking huge. And, and he actually loved that. He loved that picture. That was something that he used to market himself and it's helped him monetize. Um, he's able to mobster said, write books that someone else wrote for him. It's someone called ghost wrote, writing. Yeah. yeah. And that happens a lot. It's not, we're not just picking on Greg. I mean, no, no, no. it happens with, with Lots of everybody in the industry. Yeah. You know, uh, they have someone else write for them. They basically tell them a couple things and the person writes and they get credit for it. That's that's how the world works. I know I do a lot of ghostwriting myself. I'm sure, Mobster, you do a lot of ghostwriting as well. Someone else's name, you know, it shows up on the article and that's how it works. Yeah. But in his case, you know, he was able to monetize it through books, through his website where he offers um diet and training advice and stuff and um i don't think he gets a lot of business i think people realize i probably shouldn't take advice from someone <laughs> like this i would hope um unless you're really really stupid there's a lot better people in the industry to uh pay with your money but what the thing is about this the synthol controversy i don't know exactly why he gets so defensive every time someone mentions that he ran synthol he gets extremely defensive to the point where I think like, wow, maybe this guy did use synthol <laughs> because he's so defensive over it. It's very, very bizarre. At the end of the day, oil is oil. Whether he's using synthol oil or he's, he claimed in one of his videos I watched that he used EQ, 
to inject into his arms. So what could have happened is you, you inject, it happened to me when I injected my triceps one time, I got a um, tissue irritation that caused my triceps to swell up for like two weeks. And that made my triceps and my arm look much bigger. So whether it was synthol oil or whether it was an injectable oil, same shit. But mobster, you know a lot about these oils. Um, you work well, his, with a lot of guys. His, his story, yeah. So there are three different versions, all of which have come from Greg, as to why he had these massive arms. Of course, he's done, he's done whatever he's done to make this happen. This is not something that's accidental or whatever else. So we'll get that straight away. You know, I want to be big, bigorexia, massive arms, boom, done. The problem is there are three different versions of the story, all of which Greg has addressed. All of the sources of information have come from Greg. He tells, number one story is the sheer volume of what was being injected. He was talking about three mil, four mil, every single time. And it was always into his arms. It was always, I mean, he never, he wasn't injecting into his quads. We're not talking about, 40-inch quads, we're not talking about 25-inch calves, it was either the shoulders or the arms, the show muscles. The other problem, the problem we've got is there are two other versions of the story. There's a version where I had a, 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 an infected uh, spider bite, and in his biography, he talks about having an accident with a baseball bat. Uh, you know, playing baseball with my kids and a baseball back whacks me and my arms, you know, was this a gangster thing? Was someone attacking him? You know, which story is correct as to which why these arms exploded? Which story is correct as to why he had these massive arms? To me, I, I, I would argue that if there's any truth to the volume of oil, that maybe what he was doing was taking something like 300 milligrams of testosterone and then getting some the carrier oil on its own, putting the 300 milligrams of testosterone from a normal vial into this huge bottle of the carrier oil and then just injecting this massive amount of oil into his arm. Now, whether it was simple or some other sort of oil, it's kind of like, you know, you say tomato, I say tomato. I mean, it's, it's, it's semantics. It's a volume of an oil that's been injected into your arms. It's an infected arm in the arms, it explodes. There's a video documentary, the, the stories, the newspapers, the headlines. It is what it is. It's stupid stuff. And the story, the problem with this is, Steve, as you know, that there are a bunch of guys, the South American guys specifically, the guys in Rio that we've seen in photographs of, the Indian guy that we've seen the pictures of, or the young Russian fellow who's just had operation on his arms, who've essentially copied Greg. And they've done the crazy amounts of sinfo, and they've made a name for themselves on Instagram. They've made a name for themselves on YouTube videos. And you go, Oh my God, has this man got a mental problem? Is there some sort of psychological issue? Because they copied what Greg did. So we can argue about how he got those arms from now to doomsday. Something went in there, something made them blow up, something made them explode. He becomes infamous, and then guys copied him. And it gives that if you've got some genetic abnormality to your muscles where your physique is absolutely amazing except your calves, or your physique's absolutely amazing, except your forms. Maybe, maybe, maybe you could go, okay, I'm going to use a little bit of site injection oil, and I'm just going to feel like this one muscle that I've got a genetic disadvantage for. This is not what we're talking about. This is freak circus stuff. This is, you know, it's like having an extra eyeball. It's, it's no good to no one. It doesn't bloody work. It looks bloody stupid, but it made his name. 
So I think the only thing we could argue with regards to this stuff, would he be in the magazines? Would he be in any way relevant if he hadn't done this kind of craziness? So the answer to that is probably no. So maybe that's the one and only reason that we could say it's a good thing. Otherwise, it just kind of looks funky. It looks strange. It, it wasn't healthy. It sounds like it's a psychological problem. I remember we're all driven to go to the gym and change ourselves, but this is kind of right out there. Uh, I, I think it's a volume of oil thing, Steve. I don't think it's sinful. I just think it's a sheer volume of, of liquid that's been put in there. It, I mean, we've, we've discussed in a previous podcast, Rich Piana. Rich Piana was putting some kind of plastic into his arms. I mean, come on. Where, where do we go with this stuff? I'm all about how much weight I can lift. If I want to be crazy, do I put rubber weights and plastic weights on the end of my bar? Do I pretend to lift weights I'm not lifting? We've addressed that in a, in a video before. I don't know. It's, you know. it's a topic of conversation. Greg, Greg, Greg is a kind of crazy guy. So to try and make sense of it, we'd have to be kind of crazy ourselves. And I think we can't quite figure that stuff out. And I'm, I don't know about you, Steve. I do not want to inject four, four mils of oil into my arm three or four times a week. Not from now, not ever. Thank you very much. Yeah, and um, this is just the icing on the cake. Let's get into, besides that, the other things he was injecting in his body intramuscularly, oh. which yeah. in the form of anabolic steroids. And it's no secret that he used quite a bit of anabolic steroids. He can claim he hasn't, which of course he doesn't want to because he wants people to think, oh, you know, I got the way I am because I'm so special. Let's face it. He had really good genetics. He was able to get really, really big. Mm. Is uh, he's he's. It's no secret. He eats a lot of food. He loves food. He talks about how he eats tons of food. When you eat tons of food, you take tons of steroids, and you have really good genetics. Like Mobster said, a lot of Italian people have really good genetics. We've seen a lot of uh, yeah. top level Italian bodybuilders. And Greg, Greg's got great genetics. Great yep. genetics. You've ever seen pictures of him as a young man? He's got a really nice muscular physique a good shape so i mean he's been using steroids since he was probably eight years old he, he'll claim he hasn't but the guy's been using steroids since he was eight years old he's been using all kinds of drugs since he was eight years old the guy used whatever yeah. it took to get big all right that was that was what he did and he's he doesn't he doesn't you know uh, deny that he's done a lot of stupid stuff as mobster i mentioned before so let's talk a little bit about his steroid use um some of his videos, he's admitted Equipoise EQ, Trenbolone, and Testosterone. Those were his three top steroids. Yeah. And EQ was the one that he would inject directly into his muscles, not intramuscularly, the way we say, you know, inject into your big muscle. He would actually inject it into muscles to stretch out his fascia. So he was yeah. injecting into his bicep. That's crazy. I mean, I give him props for having the balls to do that because I've tried injecting directly into my uh. muscles. It hurts like <laughs> hell. I tried my calves one time. Oh my god, it hurts like hell. Yeah, yeah. I'll Painful. have to pass on that. I'll have to inject in my other big spots. Thank oh, man, you very yeah. much. Um, he says in his videos he didn't like Decaturabolin, but he was a testosterone junkie. He liked mm. short-acting testosterone because he says it hits him faster, and he says he would take grams of testosterone, one gram, two grams, a thousand milligrams, two thousand milligrams, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. So. He loved androgens. Uh, so, you know, we can kind of go over what his, so it's like, he talks a lot about letrozole too. A lot of that is because his, 
his information is very outdated. See a lot of these old guys, um, you know, like guys like Nelson Montana and those types of guys who've been around a while, they'll kind of talk about what they did back in the eighties. They haven't updated to the current times, So they don't un really understand what we're taking today. So his, his information is outdated. He talks about letrozole taking that as his AI. So he would run a ton of testosterone and then take a ton of letrozole to kind of offset the testosterone. And then another one he would take, Dianabol. He'd love Dianabol, 50 milligrams a day. Anadrol, 100 milligrams a day. The Trembolone, of course, up to a gram a week or more. And then tons of testosterone propionate. Hits them faster, taking over 3,000 milligrams per week. Boom. And then Equipoise. Besides what he was injecting into his muscle, he was also injecting in his body. So over two grams of that. So he loved, he loved those three mobster, equipoise, testosterone probe, and trembolone. So, um, and it's interesting because in the eighties and early nineties, decadrobolin was one of the more popular steroids, especially for big guys like him. So I find that fascinating. Yeah. I wasn't messing with decadrobolin for some reason. Maybe he had a bad experience with it, um, where, you know, he got the Decadic or something like that. I'm not really sure why he shied away from it. So, yeah. So, Mobster, what do you think? Do you think that uh, – why do you think he was avoiding Decadrobolin and, and taking – I thought it was interesting because trend didn't really come along till the 90s, and a lot of guys didn't run testosterone in the 80s. So, I thought that was interesting that he kind of went. I'll tell you what it is, Steve. We've got a fellow down the gym uh, uh, who, who – I'm not going to name and he talks about how – He'll have some testing and then go to the gym. And his own uh, eldest son, and I think he's surprised to Greg here, described him as I and I quote as pin happy. Now, when you got Greg himself talking about how he loved how he felt on testosterone, I think it's very much a question of how he felt. Literally, some guys you and I both know this, right? We've got guys that we know on the forums and we've seen their cycles. And when we talk about TRT, TRT should be for an older gentleman about how you feel as much as the effect that testosterone has on you. So, yeah, I, I think that uh, Greg, to me, feels like one of those guys that really notices the difference in his psychological aspect, how he feels on testosterone. So to say that he was pin-happy using short-acting versus long-acting, the, the, the sense of well-being from taking testosterone as much physical as psychological I mean, there's no damn way that you got, you wake up and you grab a bottle of tests and you inject them and straight away you feel good. It takes a certain amount of time to get into your system. It takes a certain amount of time to have that kind of mental effect. But I suspect Greg was one of those guys that literally within minutes of having a jab of whatever, he straight away has a sense of well-being that is impossible for the testosterone to create. That's going to come in a certain amount of time. It's not immediately. And I suspect Greg's one of those guys. He's an immediate sense of well-being. So that's purely mental. And, and so that gets you to things. When you are driven to inject the volume of gear that he was using, in order to have the arms, and in order to have that physique, in order, as Steve described it earlier, to get past the bigorexia or the little man syndrome, his sense of self came from the amount of testosterone he was using. I don't think it makes any difference if it was 3,000 or 3,500 milligrams. It made no difference at all. But for him, it did. So the way that he thought, the way that he responded, the way that he reacted was based on this volume that he was putting into himself. So we're talking about these free drugs that Steve mentioned earlier, and never mind the anadrol or dynabol and the letrozole. 
That's the equipoise and the testosterone alone. That's 6,000 milligrams. When you're throwing in what is for quite a lot of people, a high level of trend, 600 milligrams a week, and the ratios are all over the place, it's a sheer volume. And even with the trend, Steve, just the trend on its own, the, the, the number of guys that struggle with trend, at 300 milligrams, how are you going to feel taking 600 milligrams of trend acetate a week on top of the three and a half thousand milligrams of test prop on top of the two and a half thousand milligrams? I think I would feel ill and I think I would struggle. But for him, the sense of well-being literally came from the injection. It came from the number, the volume that he put into himself. That, that, that's, I think, how he responded. That's how I think how he fought. So, you know, the more is better worked for Greg. The idea that the numbers were important worked for Greg. We know because we've talked about other guys that have used crazy amounts that that's not the case. That for the most part, people that were using these kind of levels and these kind of numbers end up ill or they feel ill or they feel run down or they feel like they're having some sort of anxiety issues. But this wasn't Greg. Greg was, I mean, he could have injected just oil, no testosterone at all. And if you'd have told him testosterone was in there and it was a thousand milligrams, he'd have probably felt great just on the idea of what he was doing. So it's it's almost a symbolic thing. It's almost the amount of gear doesn't really matter. It's it's the idea that it matters. And I think that's probably what it worked. Anadrol at 100 milligrams a day, Steve. Again, Anadrol is a harsh drug. And without any of the other things, 100 milligrams a day is quite a high. Dianabol at 50 milligrams. I, I'd probably want that on its own. I don't think I'd want any of the others. And I respond quite well to low doses, as we talked about it before. So for me, 150 milligrams a day is kind of fine. But I think Greg is one of those guys that's going to be on for months at a time. It, it, it could probably, I mean, he talks about now that he's on TRT now. And he talks about how he feels now that he's not on these kind of levels again. He's not on these kind of levels. He's only on TRT. And he'll tell you in his own videos, he doesn't feel like the same fella that he used to. It's, he feels ill, he feels run down, he feels old, my joints ache, et cetera, et cetera. That says as much to me about how he thinks when he's on testosterone and how he feels when he's taking these levels as the actual physical aspect, the physiological versus the psychological. And I think it's, he's purely tied into the whole idea of lots of testosterone versus the actual effect on his body, Steve. So yeah, we know that for guys who've got low testosterone levels, sub 350 milligrams in their bloodstream or whatever that you suddenly give a dose of trt to and they can tell you they feel more confident more outgoing they're, they're chasing more girls they're, they're more successful at work that that's that shows you the psychological aspects that testosterone can have on a low testosterone level person so you you magnify that by a factor of six or seven and you come up with greg valentino when when you've got guys as i said just now that only before they can't even go to the gym unless they've had a jab. You're talking about psychological, not physiological. You're not talking about the actual effect of testosterone on the body. You're dealing with the idea of what testosterone does, and I think that's what we're talking about here with Greg. So, and he's, and he's a, I think he's, he, he, he'd be entertaining for an evening. He's a kind of extreme kind of guy. I don't think he does anything but one mile an hour. I think he's kind of you know whether it's talking, whether it's driving, whether it's making love, whether it's eating, everything's the kind of drama, everything that kind of has to be second or third level, it can't be first level, it has to be a level or two above everybody else. 
So I suspect that was his approach to testosterone and, and cycling as much as anything else in his life. He makes, like I said, I can, I can see you and I and him maybe going out for a drink one evening and me and you laughing our asses off, but God, we wouldn't want to live next door and we wouldn't want him as a training buddy. To be around him 24-7 would probably be a little bit tiring. But, so he's that kind of guy. We've all got buddies like this. But yeah, I wouldn't take steroid advice off him. Not Never, ever, ever, ever. Well, one of his quotes, his famous quotes in his video says, quote, I was juiced out of my mind and loved it, unquote. So yeah. what Mobster is saying, uh, steroids should not make you feel like this unless it's like your first steroid cycle. You get those androgens. Yeah. You start, if you refer steroid cycle, like when I ran my first steroid cycle, I was like 29 years old. I felt like I was 17 again because you get that rush of androgens for the first time, mm. that rush of estrogen, the rush of androgens. It's like, wow, I feel like I'm 17 again. But then, you know, you get experience with steroids. You should not feel like that on steroids going forward. That's not what they're supposed to do. They're not supposed to make you feel good psychologically. They're not supposed to be a crutch where you have to inject them to go get in a workout. Exactly. That's not what they're for. But he he got so hooked on them at a young age and abused hmm. them so much that he had to use them just to get in a workout. So that yeah. right there is is what we preach not to do. So do not follow this at all. Do not take this guy's advice. You have to use steroids as icing on the cake because what's going to happen is you're going to yeah. go full circle and you're just going to end up shorting, shortening your lifestyle, ending up in prison, ending up broke because you wasted your life. Exactly. So you're going to end up pushing a lot of people away a lot of family, a lot of friends, and losing a lot of people you love in the yeah. process. So we got to do this smart. We got to use steroids as a tool. They're a tool. It's just like a deadlift. Yeah. You don't go in there and just deadlift 100 sets every workout and, and call it a day. No, a deadlift is a tool to help you, you know, get your hamstring strong, your glutes strong, maybe your calf strong and your back strong. That's a tool, but you still have to do other lifts in the gym as well. And so we got to treat steroids the same way, not steroids as I'm just going to juice out of my mind and get these big ass arms and get the record for biggest arms in the world. And yeah. that's really kind of pointless to, uh, to strive for. So, you know, this is something, an example of someone not to follow guys do not, do not follow um, his strategy. And, um, you know, running these steroids at these types of levels, you will run into a lot of heart problems. Your blood oh, is yeah. going to be thick. It's going to be like motor oil from running all these steroids. So you really have to be careful. Uh, one of the things that he has talked about is his heart issues, but he's also talked about cancer. And that's not a coincidence yeah. that he's had, yeah. he's had cancer issues. Broke cancer, again, yeah. Anabolic steroids, they cause growth in the body. So that's, that's the problem for sure. So, all right, mobster, anything else you want to add before we finish up? I, I'm going to, I'm going to echo Steve's sentiments here for me. Right. And I would hope that our listeners feel the same. We go to the gym to get stronger. We go to the gym to get more muscular. We go to the gym to have a sense of confidence that comes from how we look. And with every single listener that we have on this podcast, every single member of the forum should think and feel the same way. That We can argue that the cows come out, but those are the things we should have in common. Feeling strong, looking good, having a six-pack, having a vein pop, that should be the number one thing for us. Having a sense of control over our diet, being able to condition ourselves, being able to make ourselves successful when we do the things with the weights. That's what we should all have that in common. When, as is, this is the case, this is not a guy that wants to be Mr. Olympia with a death cycle, which we discussed in the previous podcast. 
this is a guy that was just taking testosterone kind of for itself. He had a good physique when he was younger. He did train around some of the top guys when he had that physique. But he became infamous and kind of crazy for the amount of gear that he was using, for the amount of testosterone and steroids he was putting through his thing, to the point where it comes a thing on of itself. You might as well just be famous for drinking milk. You know, we all have a bit of cheese, we all have a bit of milk, it's fine. You might as well, just, I don't know, for how many pins you can stick in your nose, it becomes a thing in and of itself. One day I had a nose stud, the next day I had 500 nose studs. You'd go, well, one nose stud looks nice, 500 looks stupid. Greg kind of got carried away to the point where testosterone was a thing in and of itself. And it kind of ends up getting the love of the sport. And the daft kind of stupid stuff about it is now that he's calmed down and he's on his TRT, whatever else, he kind of comes across as a family guy. He kind of comes across as someone who still loves the sport. He kind of had to rediscover that. He had to go on this crazy journey that makes for an entertaining night story in order to come full circle back to a bloke that when you listen to him now, He's telling you some of the stuff that we're telling you in this podcast. Love the weights. Go to the gym. Have a good time with your buddies. Look good. Feel good. Keep that shape. Don't do this crazy stuff that I have done. So there's a kind of moral to this story that Greg himself has learned, thank goodness, to tell. He's not under any obligation. He's not under, you know, got to go out to schools and preach to kids or whatever else. He's kind of come full circle and he starts to tell you, Love what we do. Don't go to this kind of extremes of stupidity. And whatever you do, don't, don't end up with the arms that explode being your, your stick, your thing. Remember, guys, we go to the gym because we like to lift weights. We go to the gym because we want shape and we want to look good. We want to be strong. That's what we're all about. Every single one of us. We can argue. We can bicker. We can bitch. We can give the old guys a hard time and the young guys a hard time. We all like to lift. We all like to do this kind of stuff. And that should be the thing that we go. Greg, at last, as an old guy, settling down and not doing the crazy stuff, has kind of come full circle and now remembers to tell the rest of us to love what we love. Back to you, Steve. All right, guys. So this was another episode of Evolutionary Hardcore, episode 139. We're going to have another episode coming your way, episode 140 next week. We'll talk to you guys then. Take it easy. Shut up.